can take out your church Bible, um, whether you brought your own or one from the pew. Open to Matthew chapter 6. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sonia, and I am here this summer, and I have about six more weeks left, and then I'm back to PUC. So it's been a privilege getting to know some of you and to be able to worship with you this morning. Uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, Abba, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you, your spirit is among us. And help us to see your word, experience it, Father, and live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two years ago, I was a student missionary in Yap, a Micronesian island out in the Pacific Ocean, and I served there for 10 months as a second grade teacher. And I was there working with a bunch of people that were from various places. There were some Filipinos, and then there were some Americans, and then there was one from Germany. We had different responsibilities when we were there in Yap. And it could vary from lawn mowing, it could vary from building cement, I'm sorry, building a sidewalk and pouring in cement to, you know, killing spiders and clearing out cobwebs. Like, those are some things that we did. To things that were great, like teaching. It was then that we inspired our kids. It was then when we spent most of our time doing, we spent five days a week teaching. Life as a missionary was busy. There was not a great deal of downtime. We were doing crazy things like how to catch a rat, how to kill a cockroach, and how to spearfish. Um, our days were always busy. Our time there was full of activities, full of people time, and full of times that we wished we could talk to our family and our loved ones back home. And that was what life was like as a missionary in Yap. Life as a missionary was busy. And I know thinking back before going, I was thinking, oh man, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to, you know, I don't read the Bible every day. I don't pray every day. But you know what's going to happen? I'm, I'm just going to automatically, as soon as I get there, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to start to read the Bible every day. I'm going to start to pray every day. But these things don't happen all of a sudden. I think majority of us as student missionaries thought all of a sudden we would, we would become close to God. All of a sudden, we would get down on our knees and we would pray on a regular basis, on a normal basis. Then reality sits in and all of a sudden, just does not happen. Life as a missionary is busy. But life is busy, period, right? We are all busy. Take a look around. We live in a nation, in a society, where time does not stop. We have 24-hour drive-throughs, 24-hour gyms, more caffeine products to keep us alert, awake, 
And uh, of course, let's not forget Thomas Edison's great invention to help us stay busy at night, the light bulb. But it doesn't matter if you sleep in half the day or, and wake up just to go on the computer, or if you're a part-time worker who still lives at home with your parents. We still somehow manage to stay busy. This month we've been discussing the Lord's Prayer and Pastor Chris has delivered us the first three petitions. And beginning we started with our Father, which art in heaven. Acknowledging God is our Father. Someone or a being that is in heaven, a place we've never seen. The first petition she talked about, hallowed be thy name. God's name is holy, sacred, and precious. The third, the second and third petition, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What does that mean? It means that these petitions recognize that, that God has a plan for us, and his plan and his will is to deliver us our desires, our needs for goodness. But this morning, we're going to transition from our Father to our needs as human beings and as children of God. As a student missionary, our time was overflowing with worships from midweek prayer meeting to vespers to Sabbath school to church, branch Sabbath school. Our worships were nicely packaged into our week. But when did we stop to pray? Did we make a point to stop and pray throughout our week? Did we make a point to stop and pray to the one we were serving? As a former missionary, as a theology student, as a human being training to be a pastor, I wish, I wish I could tell you this morning that I got down on my knees and I prayed every night and every day. Just stop and pray. Now don't misunderstand me, I do pray, but when do we, as children of God, stop our entire day to just pray? I had a routine in, when I was in YAP. It was a schedule, we would start with worship, then Bible, then reading, math, then English, and then the afternoon it totally varied depending on the kids and how fast they were learning things and how in-depth the lessons were. But pretty much, the routine was a habit. It was something I didn't have to think about. But this day was out of the ordinary. This particular day, I remember it very well. And I hated this day. Now. Maybe as someone training to be a pastor, I'm not supposed to use that word hate, but I hated that day. It was a day I will never forget. Every morning I started class, I would tell myself, oh, let's just forget about worship. Let's just dive into Bible class. It's the same difference. We're learning about God. We're teaching them they're learning, you know, we're, we're experiencing what God is together. Why worry about worship? We're already so behind. Now, 
my kids would stop me and they'd be like, teacher, no, because they loved worship. It was their time that they got to sing songs. It was a time that we did devotional thoughts and stories. But we always ended our worship time with prayer. Some of my fondest memories were memories of my kids reciting my prayer request list and them reciting their own prayer requests of each other. And there were times that we were being really silly and we would pray for random things and we laughed at each other and some of these prayer requests were some things that some may call silly, funny. But let me tell you, there is nothing remotely funny about this day. The day had just begun, I had just started you know, we were just started sharing our prayer requests and the kids get really excited and so I would start from the left and I would go to the right or I'd start from the left or the right and go to the left. And I started on the left this morning and I asked the prayer requests. And I noticed that on my way to the right, there was a commotion that's arising within the middle of the classroom. One student was crying I went to him and I was wondering, why is this kid crying? Tears were streaming down his face, collecting on the desk. And I looked at him and I said, what happened? I asked. Do you have any prayer requests? And boy, did he. And he speaks out behind his tears, behind his pain, behind his fear. My mom, my father tried to kill my mother last night. And let me tell you, I didn't want to be in that room. I didn't want to be his teacher that day. And I did not want to be in Yap that day. I wish it wasn't me who heard those words come out of a seven-year-old. No child, no one deserves to hear those words. Today we are talking about a petition to God to give us this day our daily bread. In Matthew 6, um, we have a, from 5 through 15, or 5 through 13, is it's talking about the Lord's Prayer. And to me, that day was the day I prayed the most. God, help me. God, what do I say? What can I do? Nothing I do can save him. No one, no one should have to go through that. No one should have to say, my father killed my, tried to kill my mother last night and still be in class the next day. No one. But he was there. He was sitting in, his, in my classroom. And yes, he was there. But what does this petition say? Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. It talks about bread. Bread is something we can all understand a concept of because we often bake it, and if we don't bake it, we buy it. It is a gift from our Father above we can take part of. It is a carbohydrate that we smell, taste, touch, see. It is, it is a visible sign to us that we can all comprehend and often take for granted. 
We don't have to worry about bread being in the kitchen or whether there will be food in the fridge, but let me tell you something. Worrying about bread, rice, and vegetables, even vegetables we would get from a ship that would come to Yap, we didn't have vegetables, was something to worry about in Yap, where my students in my class were beaten because they ate from their friend's lunch. They were hungry and they would eat from their friend's lunch and they would go home and tell their parents and their parents would beat them. Why? Why would their parents beat them? Because they still lived in a caste system, a social pyramid which, which said that they couldn't satisfy their hunger. What is this petition saying? Again, Matthew 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. It is not saying give me my daily bread. The text reads, give us our daily bread. The beginning of this prayer addresses God as our Father. It means that we as his children are stretching out our hands and we are asking God to feed us. Even if it is just one person, Praying, the prayer was meant to be for the blessings to flow upon everyone, all of us. Bread is a gift. In the beginning, God invented the way of taking care of our life's needs. He developed a cycle of seed-bearing fruit. The original plan was to feed human beings with the seeds of the earth. So bread is truly a gift from God a gift from heaven, even the Israelites in the wilderness took for granted. The great exodus, the chosen people, are wandering and taking for granted the bread from heaven above. And what does God do? What does he do for his grumbling chosen people? He serves them quail to satisfy their needs and desires. The, the word unique, I'm sorry, the word daily is unique here because it's only found once in the Bible, and it's here in Matthew. And this word, when scholars were trying to figure out what it really meant, they came up with the word translation daily. And then later on, as years went on, archaeologists came upon this scrap of papyrus, and they 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 saw like a bunch of list of things that you might find in a market and they saw this little word again, meaning that it was daily or for the next day's meal. Wait a minute, next day, but I thought the prayer was about today in the present tense. In the beginning when our creator formed the world after each day, Moses wrote in Genesis, there was evening and morning in the first day, and so on and so forth. What does that mean? It means that our day really begins in the evening, at sunset. And as Seventh-day Adventists, I'm sure we're all familiar with that word, sunset. Hey, Mom, when does the, the bulletin say sunset is? turn over your bulletin, you'll find when sunset is. 
It is a time that we turn off our TVs, we clean the house, we have the Sabbath meal prepared. We somehow dust off the Bible and place it on the coffee table. If you're praying this prayer in the morning, then you are praying for the rest of the day when the sun is still out. And if you're praying this prayer in the evening, you're praying for tomorrow. Bread is just not for our physical needs, but it's for our spiritual needs. And John, the first verse, tells us that Jesus is the word. And later in John 6, verse 35, he claims, I am the bread of life. If we, as followers of Christ, devote time into our, his daily word, we will reap the benefits of gaining a spiritual blessing and partaking of his word, the bread. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. In Matthew 6, verse 8, it reads, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. If God knows what we need. What's the point of praying that prayer? What is the point of mentioning that petition in our prayer? It seems unnecessary, but the truth is that this prayer is for us to acknowledge that God is our sustainer, to acknowledge our dependence on him for our needs. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added or will be given to you as well. After the prayer, Jesus talks about worrying. God will provide our needs. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble in itself. This Sabbath, I'm not saying to just pray this prayer and hope and assure yourself that all your dreams will come true. We have a part two. We are to do our best, and God will take care of the rest. As a resident assistant in the dorm, I can tell you I've seen and heard, and I admit even I have fallen in the trap of hoping, praying, wishing that, that I will get that A that I don't deserve. That, that even though we didn't prepare enough, even though we weren't studying ahead, we purposely rely on God to deliver us something we do not deserve. No one deserves to hear what I heard that morning or be in the situation he was in the night before. It is unfortunate we live in a world full of sin. That morning, I did not want to be there. I, being 20 at the time, didn't know what to do. I really was not trained to be a teacher, and nobody during the orientation meeting pulls you aside and says, okay, this is what you do when this happens. But I went on. That day, I was not his teacher, He needed someone to care, someone to notice him, someone to tell him he was safe. And as a human being, I hope I helped. I pulled him aside during reading class, and we prayed. His behavior was abnormal that day, but I let it go because I knew that night was traumatizing for him. The week came to a close, and Sabbath was here every morning as we entered the little church in Yap, We greeted everyone, said, Happy Sabbath, how are you? And this Sabbath was no no difference, although I was expecting it to be different because as I stretched out my hand to embrace my student's mother's hand, nothing seemed different. Her appearance was the same. Everything looked 
normal. But everything was not normal. The next week of the school started and everything was not normal. His behavior was still not normal. He was an excellent student in all of his subjects, and some may say he was destined to be a doctor because his handwriting had a stereotypical doctor handwriting signature. But um, handwriting this year was just not his forte. He struggled with it and lacked the patience to deal with it. About two or three times a week, I would assign a handwriting assignment in the afternoon. This boy was messing around and talking to his friends instead of working on his assignment. The buses had already arrived, so what I did was I let the kids go and I made him sit there and finish his assignment. I had a bunch of errands I had to take care of that afternoon, so I went to the office and I took care of my errands and in the, the busy moment in the hustle and bustle of parents coming in and the office staff talking to me, I totally forgot about him. 20 minutes later, I realized my mistake and I ran back to check on him. I stopped at the doorway and made a careful scan around the classroom and did not see him until my eyes lingered down and I saw him underneath his desk curled up in a fetal position crying. What happened, I thought in my head, what happened? I ran to him, I fell down on my knees, and I pleaded with him, what happened? Did someone do something to you? No, he shook his head. Did you do something? No, he shook his head. Then I went on to ask the most profound question of the, the afternoon. Did I do something to you? Nodded his head. Yes. There's a chemistry teacher at PUC. He often uses illustrations to make Jesus' sacrifice come to life and seem so imminent. In his office, there's this whiteboard. In the, in the upper right-hand corner, there is written in Latin this saying. The translation reads, he who teaches learn, and boy did I learn. My student suddenly became the teacher. He was teaching me patience. He was teaching me forgiveness. The fifth petition in this prayer is about forgiveness, a, a very easy subject to learn and teach. I can assure you in Matthew 6, verse 12, it reads, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. What is it supposed to mean? When I think about debts, I think of a credit card company or a little stack of IOUs. If you really want to understand the system of debts, take a look in Matthew 18, the unmerciful ser servant. But this particular, <laughs> this particular petition, I'm sure, is something that we're all trying to understand and all trying to embrace. God, what does it mean to forgive others? If you look below the, below the prayer, there's this tagline, Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. 
I remember sitting in uh, Pastor Chris invited me to come to her house on Sunday morning before she left for Oregon. And she said to me, you need to address this. And I looked at her and I said, that's, that's nice. I wanted my little safe, secure little sermon. And she said, no, you need to talk about this. And I told her about what commentary said, God forgives in proportion to what we forgive. She said, do you really believe that? And I said, that's a good question. Let me get back to you. It drove me nuts wrestling with the text because how was I supposed to know? I'm sure if I asked her, she would have told me, but I was determined to find out by myself. And then I came to the point where I found it. In Isaiah 55, verses 7 through 9, Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The notion that God forgives in proportion to how we forgive each other is not at all possible. His thoughts and ways are higher than ours. His love for mankind and creatures is unconditional and unchanging. What is forgiveness, really? My seven-year-old student was determined to teach me that afternoon. I looked at him, and I looked at myself. I said, what did I do to him, and what does he need from me right now? I got up and went to my notepad and drew out my pen, and I wrote him a note. I folded it and gave it to him, and I said, this is to remind you that I care about you, and I love you a lot, so don't forget. Don't take it for granted. Don't take these petitions for granted. Don't take this prayer for granted because this beautiful prayer is in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In the midst of his sermon, we find our Savior stopping to teach the multitude, his disciples, his prayer. He teaches them to pray to his Father, our Father. These petitions quench the desires for our needs as human beings. The challenge is to learning to rely on God to give us our daily bread. This prayer forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors is asking God for a forgiving spirit. And when we dive into his word and we ask the Holy Spirit to work on us, we will experience God's love. And when we experience his love, we will in turn be able to love each other and forgive each other. So don't take that for granted. Now, church family, may you feel God's presence and his love fill fill you and may you leave this place with his love.